warm welcome to you all. Hope you'll thoroughly enjoy our program. Britannia, a very British podcast about very British movies with just a hint of professionalism. And recently, just a hint of Tony, but he's here after... Hello! <laughs> Hello! <I'm back. laughs> How long has it been? It's been since June or something, hasn't it? It's been a long time. Um, and I might add that I'm not actually there in person because we're still that busy. We still cannot actually get in the same room together, so we're Skyping this one. And as you just shouted out, I'm back. Your video picture disappeared again, so you're not back all the way. But um, no, <laughs> <laughs> it's bloody great to have you back, mate. You you okay? Everything you. everything's all good in the world of Tony, is it? Very busy. Yes, very very busy. Yeah. Lots of travelling around, um, all over the UK and Wales and Scotland and whatnot. So yeah, it's very busy. But I'm back for a little while at least. <laughs> until somebody drags you away uh, again. Uh, until at least three o'clock tomorrow afternoon, I'm in. <laughs> In the vicinity. In the vicinity. And we've just had a little chat off air that literally within the next three or four days we're going to get together again to do another yes. episode. In so, person. In person. It'd be great to see you, to have a bit of a meet-up, mate, because I haven't probably seen you since June, as we say. And just want to say a big thank you to Steve for the last two episodes, Stephen for the last two episodes, um, who has gallantly filled your shoes Yes, thank uh, you very much, Stephen. You've yeah. taken a lot of pressure off. <laughs> we just wanted to keep the momentum going because otherwise we'd have had this massive sort of four-month gap without any shows. So, um, it's all my fault, I know. I know it is, but we don't. We only say that behind your back, mate. We never say it to your I, face. I feel bad enough as it is. <laughs> but then again, I've been just as busy with other podcasts because we was racing to get episode 100 of The Stinking Paws out, which you appeared on as well, and 99, did. didn't you? Yes, I, so... I know I can appear on a different podcast, but I can't appear on my own. <laughs> terrible host, terrible. No, but it was lovely to see you, and it'd be great to see you again at the weekend. This movie that we're watching tonight, it's sort of like four months in the making or something like this. I, I started watching it when you first suggested it back in June. Um, huh. and this, <laughs> I'd, I'd sort of watched the first 20 minutes, and then yeah. you know we were waiting for the, the, the actual start date that we were going to record, and... I think we made plans one weekend, didn't we? And something happened. Yeah. So I think I'd watched another half an hour of it and then didn't watch the rest of it. In the end, I think I watched it about midnight last night, just to be on the safe side, um, and finished it off this morning on the laptop while I was making a cup of tea, you know. Um, yeah. You had a similar sort of experience as well, didn't you? You were sort of watching it in bits and pieces, I think. 
Yeah, I watched some of it last weekend and I watched the rest of it in the bath last night. Um, <laughs> as I explained, that is how tight I am on time at the moment. I'm having to watch things in the bath well, just to make use of the time. I'm glad to say that you are not actually doing this review live from the bath. No, I am naked in my bed oh, dear, at the moment. Oh, dear Lord, no, please do not. That is conjuring up some terrible images. Terrible images of a big furry man. <laughs> Let's take Six a foot four furry bear <laughs> laying in his bed, his boudoir. On that note, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back after this. <laughs> <laughs> is the story of a ship and the men who serve it. Why, Walter Hardy, whatever is the matter with you this morning? Anyone would think he was going away forever. Proceed with the following operations as ordered. One, give us a kiss. Two, chuck us another mum sandwiches. Three, cheer up and remember this isn't a funeral, it's an honeymoon. And four, give us another kiss. Daddy, I wonder where we shall all be this time next year. A lot might happen between now and this time next year. Okay, Tony, in which we serve from 1942. What a brilliant year. What a brilliant year. Now, this is the thing. It's a war film made in the middle of the war. Yeah, what a brilliant time to do it because everything's available. Yeah but, yeah, but it's just an incredible sort of concept that you, you don't think that movies were made during those sort of six years, do you? You think all the war films were made after the war, you know, when, when the whole thing was over. But this was smack bang in the middle of it. Very, very clever, I think, it on is. Old Coward's part. Because, like I said, you've got everything available to you. Filming the war scenes on ships is quite an easy thing for them. Yeah. Because it's all going on. You don't need any special effects. They could have literally just gone out and filmed. It was all there set up for you, wasn't it? This is the thing. I was wondering if um, how much of it was filmed on real ships, because obviously they'd be out serving. They'd be out yeah. know, actually fighting. But you could see that there was definitely some real docks and, and sort of like the, um, harbours and things like that where the, where the, the ships were berthed. Yeah. Um, some of the footage was stock footage of, you know, dogfights and planes you know, crashing into the sea and stuff like that. Oh, that's obligatory to any war film. Though. They've all got like, the same <laughs> bit of film and the same soundtrack of the plane falling from the sky with a machine gun. It is the same <laughs> everything, special effect. Everything you hear in. <laughs> it's like that Star Wars cry, isn't it? I, I can't, I don't know what the character is, but it's like, ah! No, you hear that's, it in everything. that's the Wilhelm, the Wilhelm scream. That's known, There you go, right? so you, you hear it in everything. Yeah. It's just, it's the Wilhelm scream, and there's another one about um, a pane of glass breaking that's always used, and a thunderclap that's always the same. And, and the well. baby's <laughs> crying as well. You hear that in everything, don't you? Let's give a quick summary of the movie and this impressive cast, as usual. We always think of films that have a cast list of absolute stars in them. It's the story of a British naval ship, the HMS Torin, and it's told from the construction to its sinking, it actually starts with it being built. Then it starts, then within five minutes, it's actually sunk. Um, and it, it's set in Crete, 
where yep. um, there's a big battle going on, the ship is sunk, and we see the sailors all clinging onto a life raft, a big inflatable float. And it's all told in flashback. Flashback, yeah, which is great because you think, oh, where's this story going? You know, you thought yeah. Quentin Tarantino invented the movie that sort of jumped backwards and forwards in time, but this one done it years ago. Very, very clever bit of filming. I think you were impressed by this, my friend. I am very impressed with it, and I've sort of seen now where possibly Dunkirk got a lot of their um, ideas for filming it like that. Oh, what, the the new version? Because it did the yeah, three different timelines, yeah, didn't it? Yeah, the, the, the flicking backwards and forwards and whatnot. I, didn't I think could of see that. a lot of relation to that. Didn't think of that. We must mention and say hello to Sue. Hello, Sue. Hello, Sue, because she chose this. This is her Thank choice. Thank you for choosing It's a very, very good film. Very um, well done. We've got an email from Sue that I will read out because she sent in her thoughts on the movie. She chose oh. it. Yeah, she chose it because um, she hadn't seen it for a while. And and, yeah. and Sue has been officially christened the Real Britannia groupie. You know, she is... <laughs> Your badge is in the post. <laughs> we do have a couple. Gabriella's another one in South Africa that they're fighting for the title between them at the moment. But Sue, I, I gave her the opportunity to choose a film and then she racked her brains for a little while. She went, oh, what's that war film where they're all in the water and it's all flashbacks? And, and I couldn't think of it. And it wasn't until I looked it up and worked out what it was. And then I thought, I don't think I've seen this. Had you seen this before? Um, yes, I have watched it once before, but it was many moons ago. Yeah, and and it, yeah, it's not one I've watched more than once. This yeah. is the second time I've watched it. Well, when I was watching it, I was thinking, oh, I recognised that bit, but then there was huge parts of it that I'm sure I hadn't seen before. So it might have been one of those ones that had been on one afternoon and I'd just seen you know parts of it on you know in and out of the house. So you watched it fairly recently, first time, second time watch for you. What did you enjoy about it, mate? Because I, I know when you like a film, I think, from the tone of your voice, and I can tell when you don't like a film now. Yeah. <laughs> Subtle. Um, no, I enjoyed all of it. The start to finish, I quite enjoyed it. Um, you get that healthy balance of, you know, the home life. You get a bit of a backstory about the individuals. Yes. Um, and quite a lot of life on the ship, which is quite good. Um and they don't try and dress it up like they do in most films. That they made a point that a lot of people lost their lives. It was quite realistic in that respect for you, yeah. Yeah, very realistic. And the fact that the ship had already been like damaged before in battle, and they lost men. Yeah. And they then refloated the ship. That's right. Again, it's it's all very very true to life, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, case of having to, you know, every available ship had to be put to sea. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think at the time when this came out, this had probably been quite a hard-hitting film to a lot of people. Well, like I said, um, it was it right smack bang in the middle of it. We would, you know, we were going through the Blitz and the Battle of Britain was the year before, and 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 the the Battle in Crete and the Mediterranean literally was yes. was, was months before this was released. And if anything, you could probably turn around and say, or compare this to a documentary at the time. Do you know what? Yeah, because. It all starts with the building of the ship. Yes. And you hear war being declared. You hear that famous speech, you know, where he's received no such, you know, indication from the German Chancellor, and as such, we're at war with Germany. We hear that radio broadcast. And then what happens is there's, you know, the crew are all drafted in and you take their positions on the ship. But if you remember, mate, war broke out September the 3rd, 1939. We then go to Christmas and the crew have managed to get leave over Christmas, you know, they've come back to their families and things. 
And from what I've read and seen documentaries and things, that part of the beginning of the war, that first three or four months, it was called something like the phony war or something because nothing happened. Yeah. You know, it was just this very bizarre couple of months that we were at war with Germany. And we're just waiting for someone to start, spark it off. Start, yeah, shooting each other or whatever. Yeah. But, um, and that was reflected well. But, and as you said, you get the reactions not only from the sailors, from the officers, from the crew, but the, how it affects the families. Yeah. And we get a complete different sort of class structure of families. You get like the Cockney little John Mills character and his, you know, girlfriend. And then you get the officers and they're very posh kids as usual they posh kids in these films as well um yes 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 and um and, and their families and the only thing that ties them together is all of their husbands girlfriends husbands boyfriends whatever all all fighting on the same ship but they're all got completely different backgrounds yeah yeah but they're also that's the other thing that was quite highlighted quite nicely mm. is that everyone at home was fighting as well they had their own battles, didn't they, with rationing and rationing and the air raids, and which is, mm. um, I think, his chief petty officer Walter Hardy, played by Bernard Miles. Bernard Miles. Now he, his family were wiped out in it. His mother-in-law and his, his other half killed. It was just the lodger that was saved, who was the girlfriend of John Mills, because she was under the staircase. Under the stairs, because she was pregnant. Yeah, Bernard Miles. We haven't come across Bernard Miles yet, which is surprising because he was a very famous actor of this period and, you know, quite a few years after this. And he's bound to crop up in quite a few movies. You know, he was a bit of a music hall entertainer, that famous sort of Cornish accent that he's got. He used to use that to sing songs and, and tell these sort of like humorous ditties. And he was the guy that opened... Have you heard of the Mermaid Theatre in London? Uh, no, I haven't. No, no. There's a famous famous theatre called The Mermaid. It was opened in the 50s. It, I think it was the first theatre to be opened after the war or something like that. Uh, and he opened it. He was the guy that actually commissioned it, got it built and things like that. And he was in a couple of Hitchcock movies. And we're, we're bound to see him coming up over the next few months in different movies. Yeah. Now, famously, this is directed by Noel Coward and David Lean. And this is the first of their four collaborations together. The one that we've reviewed previously was Brief Encounter. They they directed that and produced it between them. And Celia Johnson was in that? Celia Johnson, and so was Joyce Carey. Yes. Was the woman that ran the tea shop in the Of course station. she was, <laughs> yes, in the train station. Yeah, I thought you would have spotted her because the voice stood now, out. Now, I'm literally <laughs> looking at a picture of her now. Yeah. Then, yeah, now I can see her. You can see her in the tea shop. Right, I've, I've sent Tony over a link that's got all of the actors and the characters they're playing just because there, there are quite a few families and characters in here and tony's a little dense so he needs pictures he needs pictures yeah pictures of um, coloring in i was just about to say some crayons like yeah um yeah, crayons and it, that helps <laughs> looking down that cast list okay noel coward Noel coward what yes. did you think of noel coward mate because i've always pictured noel coward as the um the witty song Tell you know, song singer or the raconteur, or you know, you picture him in the in the dinner suit with the the cigarette holder. Too, oh, lovely dear boy, you know all that sort of thing. Or the Italian job, obviously. Yes, he he's perfectly suited to this role. He's officer, isn't he? He's officer material. Of course he is, and his family in his own personal life were all naval. Were they? Yes, yeah, they all of them in the naval. 
So he, he comes from a Navy upbringing. So part of me thinks, was this done for his family as well? Oh, it may have been. I mean, we've got a link to Dr. No here. Noel Coward was best mates with Ian Fleming. Mm. And Ian Fleming... Was in the Navy. Well, yeah. And, and as was Christopher Lee's cousin and all this sort of stuff as well. But Noel Coward was Ian Fleming's first choice to play Dr. No. Right. Which is bizarre. Can you imagine Noel Coward playing like a villain, like that sort of thing? It's a bit... I reckon he could pull it off. Then again, he was a villain in the Italian job, wasn't he? Yeah, he could pull it off. <laughs> Noel Coward could pull it off. There's there's one for the blooper reel. Um... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rest his soul. <laughs> so Celia Johnson, we've mentioned from Brief Encounter, probably the poshest voice ever on film. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> With the poshest kids ever. Uh, Alex Kidross, yeah. yeah. And and then we've got John Mills, who's the other end of the social scale. Stephen Shorty Blake. Yeah, playing the Cockney. The, the the heart and soul of the ship, basically. He's the one that holds it all together, I think. Yeah, John the Mills. And Because his family crosses over into other families because his girlfriend is the lodger of Bernard Miles' family. You know, it all sort of links together. Um... I'm going to take you down this page a little bit, mate. Now, I didn't spot him because I was sort of drifting in and out of this movie over a couple of days, to be honest. I know you're exactly, or you're talking about Richard Attenborough. Where was he? Who was Richard Attenborough in the movie? I'm absolutely positive Richard Attenborough played, there was a scene where Noel Coward um, on the docks um, pulls out an individual um, for not manning the gun in place and um, the gun placement oh, on the ship. and that was richard attenborough i'm positive it was richard attenborough okay. he played um a sailor that had only been on the um ship for a couple of months it was his first tour this is when they got sunk the first time round. Mm-hmm. well not sunk sorry they they took on a lot of damage the first yeah. time round, and he he got bollocking in front of everyone i'm gonna have to go uh, back and have a little look because I'm, I'm absolutely positive it was him that might have been where i drifted out a wee bit I'm going to point out two faces to you. Go on. Um, and you've got their names, the actors' names there. And you haven't mentioned them yet, so I'm pretty sure you haven't sussed out who they are. Go to number 11, Parkinson. Number 11, Leslie Dwyer. Leslie Dwyer. Now. That this, name rings a bell for uh, some reason. Okay, this is 1942. So jump forward about 40 years. Yeah. British sitcom. Right. You, you're aware of it. He's the Punch and Judy man in Heidi High. Oh, my life. Yes, he is. The old drunk that yes. hates the kids? Yes. That's Leslie Dwyer, another famous face from the 40s. That's why I know the name. Yeah, because you would have seen Heidi High. But did, can you yeah. see it now, looking at him, how young now, he is? Now you said it, yeah. All over <laughs> it. All right, I've got another one for you. Come on. From another British comedy from, a, from the mid-70s. Go at number 14, Engineer Commander, played by Ballard Barkley. Ballard Barkley, yeah. Not as recognisable. That's the, no. That's the major out of 40 Towers. Oh, yes. Now, <laughs> now you look at him side on in this picture. It's the chin, isn't it? And the... Yes. <laughs> and what a brilliant transition to start out as an Engineer Commander in a film like this. <laughs> And end up the major for Forty Towers. That's just brilliant, isn't it? Because like we're more used to a lot of these actors in their older lives. You know, yeah. I mean, you've probably seen more John Mills films when he's in his sixties and seventies, haven't you? Or Richard Attenborough films where he's an older actor. 
Yeah. And the same with Bella Barkley and Leslie Dwyer. You know, you only know them from sitcoms of the 70s and 80s. How bizarre. It is bizarre. Hubert Gregg, number 28, he was he ended up, he was Radio 2. He was a presenter on Radio 2, did a weekly show. Um, had this real gentle voice and played a lot of the old 40s music and stuff. And he had a brilliant sort of old-time radio show. And then sort of going the other way of like people that were famous in later life again... One of the kids, Bobby Kimross, Daniel Massey. Yeah. More famous as an adult actor. A lot more famous as an adult actor. So there are lots... Oh, and, and final thing, the baby. The baby that's born that, you know, the, from, the, from the woman that was saved by hiding under the staircase. It's John Mills' real daughter, Juliet Mills, the actress, as a baby. Oh, wow. Yeah, so there's a little bit of trivia for you. So you like the whole aspect of it being a war film but you liked the soap opera type drama stuff as well yeah it uh, was very very well written i think it was quite funny as well some of the some of the posh comments and some of the more sort of it's common the british stiff off a lip isn't it it was it was the resolve for all this turmoil that was going on it sums it up so well doesn't it from all angles of society yeah and and do you know what I thought? I thought of you right at the very beginning because I think you passed the comment about a film in one of the early episodes that you went, I like this film from the start and you've said this about this one. I like this right from the beginning because it had a proper credit sequence. And yes, uh, <laughs> I do like a proper credit sequence at the beginning of a film. So you, you know you're in for a treat when it's at the beginning of a film. With no interruptions. It's it's, yeah, no interruptions, just done. Sweeping music, the cast list comes up. And you know what you're going to get, you know. That's uh, it. Straight into it. Burn. Done. Yeah. It's, it's sort of billed as the story of a ship, but it is... The ship's the thing that's holding this thing together, but it is all the individual people as well. There's a massive, massive amount of people in this, but I don't think you get lost with too many stories. I think each one is told, then you move on to another one, but then you can pop back and, and dip into another one later and you find the relationship between everybody and how it all works. Yeah, and it all sort of um, the time it's all expanded and everyone's had this story. It's it's quite sad, really. Yeah, it's in, it's in the grand scheme of it, always very very sad. This is the thing. I mean, Noel Coward does this rousing speech at the end. You know, when half the crew had died, pretty much. I mean, I'm, it's not really a spoiler because it is. It's a war film. You know, people are going to die. Yeah, of course it is. And then it's the hard hitting line of. You will be going to replace men that have died on other ships. Yeah, yeah. Because the and war, wow, the war is that's still going to go on no matter what. The ship has sunk. Yeah, and, that's and, it. The uh, ship's dead. We're not. But, and 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 what he says about the dead staying with the ship as company for her. Oh yes, well, it's mean, almost like well, the ship is a person, isn't it? Of course it is. It's, it, was, it was their lifeboat. It was their you yeah. know. It was it was where they lived, breathed, ate, drank, slept, whatever for God knows how long, and. You talking about stiff British upper lips and all this lot. These men are clinging for their life, covered in oil, on this like tiny little light inflatable life raft thing, and the ship's going down. And they pull out a harmonica. They, but yeah, and also it's like as the ship's going, it's like three cheers for the ship. You know, they they cheer yeah. the ship as it's actually going down. It's, yeah. it's quite moving, actually. You know, it, it, some people might look at it as being quite funny, but I'm thinking. Oh, actually, that's quite sad. You yeah, know. yeah, it's very sad, very, very sad. What, especially when they've got their crewmates being machine gunned by Messerschmitts around them. I thought that was quite 
hard hitting for a 1942 movie, actually. You but know. at the time, that would just be like current affairs. You know, that would have been happening. Yeah, but to actually depict it in a movie, I think, oh, you know, because all right, you get gangster movies and people getting shot in cops and robbers films and stuff like that, but it's quite brutal. And the swear, there was a lot of swearing in it as well for 1942, which I thought was quite remarkable. But yeah, yeah, yeah the word bastard was banded around. There was there, a couple yeah. of bloodies and bastards, weren't there? And but at the same time, it's what made it more realistic. Yeah, because that's what it would have been. Yeah, yeah. That's I'd, exactly what it would have been. I loved it. I mean, this is part of the reason we started the podcast. It wasn't all going to be carry-on films and comedies. No. We we decided that there were films like this out there that we probably have seen on Sunday afternoon matinees and things like that. But I haven't seen a lot of these type of war films for a long time. So I'm no. looking forward to things like um, reach for the sky and I think you wanted to do the original Dunkirk didn't you as well you know yes I'd love to do that um, and, and anything with John Mills in it you know as, as a soldier we could probably cover or <laughs> we've got another two Noel Coward David Lean movies to do now I'm also tempted to look down this this cast list and say do you know what I'd love to do another Bernard Miles movie and pick one out or a specific Richard Attenborough or something because I think we know we're in for a treat didn't you yeah, yeah, you can't go wrong. So far, they've not disappointed, have they? No, no. Bloody fine film, mate. Absolutely superb. Anything? Yeah, else? I, I think it's a very brave film as well for the time that it's released and what it was about. Very, very brave film. Well, do you think it must have been quite rousing for the people that watched it? You know, because even though, like you said, the ship has gone down, there's still hope because the the boys are still out there fighting. In they were in Alexandria, weren't they, when they got picked up? Uh, yeah, and the war's still going on, despite the loss of the ship. Uh, our boys are still out there fighting. That's basically what the message was. But uh, it, it was nice to see both sides of the story. Like I mentioned earlier, that the families were still fighting the war as well, although they were actively fighting as such yeah. on the ship. It's the fighting that went on at home. Yeah, life had to go on, mate, didn't it? That's yes. the thing. No and and life will be lost. Yeah. Out of it all, I thought that Bernard Miles would have died, but in the end, it's his family that are tucked up safe and sound in the house that get killed. His wife and his mother-in-law, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and and he's there holding on to a lifeboat, and he's about to drown. You know, a couple of more hours at sea, he'd have died. Do you know what? I think the point where John Mills tells Bernard Miles' character that the family's dead, that that really got me, actually. Yeah, it did. You could just sort of, it, yeah, it sort of choked you up a little bit, didn't it? Yeah, and and the and the way he takes takes it all in, it's just like I'm just going to go and get some fresh air. And you're like, oh my god, you know, this man's wife has just died, but obviously and he can't it, do anything. He's at the sea in the middle of the Mediterranean, for God's sake, you know, he can't. Yeah, do. and and that's that's the other hard hitting thing about it all. But back then, you had to rely on letters. There was no other way of communicating that, and that's why he'd not been told. I mean, the, the, what's quite hard-hitting as well, which really hit home, is whenever there was a knock at the door, and it's a telegram. Yeah, and, and the panic. You're going to expect the worst news, aren't you? You're not going to expect... But the the first one that comes through is, is from John Mills, and it literally just says, I'm OK. That was all he yeah. could. That was all he could send back, and it was just oh, thank God, you know, it, that's all they needed just to let them know because all they knew was the ship had sunk, had gone down. They didn't know who survived, who was still alive. But that would have probably all been in the letter, but back then it had all been censored. 
Yeah. Yeah. Everything back then, it would have all been taken out and censored. So, because obviously, like, careless talk cost lives back then. Yeah. They just needed that just two words. It was just in a telegram saying, oh, I'm okay, or something. That's all it yeah. said. Lots of little scenes like that that just struck me, you know. Yeah. Absolutely superb. It's, when you see the Christmas, you see the Christmas across all the different families. How each one celebrates Christmas when you've got the posh family with all the servants and all you've got. And, that's it. and, and Celia Johnson makes her speech there, and that's quite emotional. She makes a speech, and Bern, Bernard Miles makes a speech and doesn't shut up. You know, yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but Celia Johnson's speech, you know, it, it was quite an emotional thing there. That was quite hard hitting. That summed everything up, didn't it? That's right. It did. Yeah. If you were to rate it out of five stars, oh five, five from me, mate. Five without a shadow of a doubt, five. I want to watch this again very soon, actually, because I yeah, think there's lots I'd I've missed. Let's thank Sue for a choice, absolutely superb choice. So thank you. Thank you, Sue. Um, we may have to get her to choose another. Yes, please do. In fact, anyone can choose another. Yes. Um, they contact us by our many means of social media and email. Which I can't remember off the top of my head. I haven't got my piece of paper on me at the moment. <laughs> and if you were true fans of the show, you wouldn't need to be told because you'd be on all of them anyway. Oh, get you. Well done. Just, well just done. type in Stinking Pools on all good social media sites. We will come up. Not Stinking Pools. See, no, that's... just type that in as well. Type in the Stinking Pools podcast, <laughs> like that one, and we're linked in anyway. I think we are, actually. The Real Britannia. Yeah, it all comes under the same umbrella. We are a Stinking so, Pools production, mate, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. Like them all. <laughs> like <laughs> all of them. Stinking Pools, Real Britannia, Rainbow Valley. Get on that one as well. well done. Everyone needs to like that. You got out of that very smoothly, sir. Thank yeah, you, you know, you know, professional. <laughs> professional, you see. I listen to Radio 2. I know how to get my way out of things like oh, that. Oh, my life. Yeah. <laughs> my Steve Wright bit. <laughs> <laughs> we have actually got another listener's choice coming up Ooh. in a few episodes' time. But more on that later. I think we may have revealed it way, way back. But um, nearer the time, we'll let the listener know that um, it'll be Gabriella's choice in a couple of episodes time but let's take a short break and we'll be back with what we're watching next time okay tony you've been away from the real britannia podcast for a little while but you're you're coming back with your choice Bouncing back. Bouncing back. I know what this is, and I'm so excited for this one. Please tell the listeners. I don't even think you've watched it, have you? I've seen the most important part of it, and I'll tell you what that is in a minute, but could you tell the listener what we're going to be watching next time? Well, my choice, because I was quite excited when I actually found a film that Scott had not watched all the way through, (laughs) which, believe it or not, is very, very, very difficult. And if you're ever lucky enough to go to Banavan Studios and see... The room after room after room filled with DVDs and whatnot. You can understand why. Movie memorabilia, <laughs> mate. Yes, yes. Oh, God. It was, it was something else. <laughs> you could you put Odeon to shame. Oh, bless you. Other cinemas are available. <laughs> what are we watching? Um, <laughs> <laughs> this film is um, released in 1965. Mm-hmm. Three young cockneys take a day off work to meet a foreign movie star at Heathrow Airport. She joins them. In their taxi, while she collects some typical British hats. This sounds really think, crap, doesn't it? <laughs> it does sound very shit from that. Um, 
and maybe some of people might have got this. It's three hats for Lisa. Three hats for Lisa, starring Joe three. Brown. Yeah. And the reason I'm looking forward to this, it's one of the very few films starring Sid James that I've not seen. Yes, it has got Sid James in it. And that is another reason, because I know how much you're, you oh, like him. In fact, your avatar on here <laughs> is Sid James on is, the phone. It is. And this film is famous for Sid James actually does song and dance routine. It uh, does. And he sings a song called Bermondsey, which is, yes. my, which is my hometown. So this is why I am so looking forward to Three Hats from Lisa, because I know the song Bermondsey. I've seen that clip so many times. Uh, where he does this this whole routine just by Tower Bridge, and yeah. it's Joe Brown, you know. So it's it's that 1965. So the Beatles have released Hard Day's Night. Help was released this year. So it's that whole thing that the pop stars were cashing in on movies at this time as well. So it's I've got a feeling it's not going to be a particularly brilliant film. No, I don't think it'll be a <laughs> brilliant film, but it's got some brilliant people in it. Yeah, I'm, I'm so looking forward. I think Eunice Stubbs is in this as well, I believe. Leslie Brickus wrote the music, which should be interesting because he did some interesting stuff. And directed by Sidney Hayes, and I don't think I've come across anything we haven't yet. We haven't had any Sidney Hayes movies on the show. I'm just seeing if there's anything notable. A um, couple of episodes of Avengers. Uh, oh, Second unit director on A Bridge Too Far, which is one of my favourite war films ever. Oh, wow. Lots of TV stuff by the look of it. We'll talk more about him. We'll talk more about Joe Brown. We'll talk more about the fabulous Sid James. Um, Yeah. I'm looking forward to this one. Um, And I'm looking forward to seeing you again, mate. It's been far too long. Yes, it'll be very, very soon. In fact, the end of this week. Yeah, a couple of days' time. Let's get this uh, head of steam up and... uh, Provided I don't have to drop everything and make headwind for Scotland tomorrow morning. <laughs> Which is always a possibility. He's literally at the drop of a hat. I could just have to leave. Oh, dear. Okay. Well, hopefully I'll see you in a couple of days' time and we'll be talking yes. all things Three Hats for Lisa. As Tony said, if you just, just Google Real Britannia. Yeah, we're not even going to bother reading it out anymore. You you know what to do. It's, yeah. the, it's the 21st century, everyone. You, you obviously have technology because you're listening to us. Exactly. Just go and find us. You put some effort in for a change. <laughs> Tony, it's been a pleasure. Yes, thank you. Thank you to all the listeners. And um, just pleased to say that I am back. Excellent. Good stuff. See you very soon, mate. And thanks again to Stephen for yes. fitting in my shoes. Yes. Thank you very much. I'll speak to you very soon as well. Cheers, mate. Ta-da. Goodbye. Bon voyage. Goodbye. Good luck. Thank you.
helping the British end up, sir. Ha, ha, ha.